You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Domecast, the news and observer and the insider's weekly foray into the world of state government and politics. Uh, We have a great show lined up for you tonight. It's a special show, a special edition of the Domecast live from the legislative building in downtown Raleigh. It's about 1030 p.m. on Thursday night where the House just voted 80 to 35 uh, on uh, the budget plan that the Senate uh, passed yesterday. So the House still has to come back after midnight uh, tonight and pass uh, uh, the budget again. And then it will go to Governor McCrory's desk. The governor's already said he would sign it. Uh, we have a great show lined up. Uh, we're going to start with an audio compilation of the bu- the budget debates in both the House and the Senate to get you up to speed on kind of what was said uh, uh, during those debates. And then I'm going to catch up with Colin Campbell, the News and Observer, who's been here for every every step of the way along the budget. Um, and then in our second segment, we'll have an interview with Governor Pat McCrory from this morning at which he said he would sign the budget. And then we'll finish up with a special segment where we usually do headliners of the week. Uh, but today we're going to switch, switch it up a little bit and do who was the star of the House budget debate tonight. So we caught up with a bunch of House members, both Republicans and Democrats after uh, the debate finished tonight and we asked them who was the star of the debate. And I think, I think you'll find the answers, answers entertaining and interesting. Uh, so we're going to start today with, uh, the, uh, Benjamin Brown from the insider, his audio compilation of the Senate and House budget debates from this week. And then we'll be back with Colin Campbell. Take a listen. Been a very long road, we can all agree on that, but in the end, we have a budget that fairly represents the priorities of both the House and Senate. And members of the minority party, along with the rest of the state, saw it for the first time at midnight last night. If you can tell I haven't shaved today, it was because I was in my office all night trying to read this. I first saw the budget this morning, and so did uh, so many other North Carolinians wake up to find this budget if they had access to a computer to pull it up. I don't believe Senator Blue's watch is the only thing that stopped. I think his calendar stopped. I think he stuck back in 2007, 2008, when you would walk in this chamber, Senator Jackson, and your desk would be fuming from the budget just being placed there. Yes, back at that time, Senator Blue, if you don't remember, I didn't hear your righteous indignation back there, or Stein, trying to make it a better process. Y'all were part of the process. And we didn't even have computers. This was a long process, and I, I just think if you look at the good in this budget and what it means for all of North Carolina, it's hard to argue against this budget. I have to think that everything that was in this budget has already been discussed either in a finance committee or into appropriations committee or everything else, so there's no magic as to what's in this. It's a matter of what was done for the best interest of our, of our people that we serve. There are so many things that I like in this budget. I do have to tell you, I think you guys went back to the drafting board and there were some improvements. But it would be, in my opinion, negligent for me to vote for this budget and not have had ample opportunity to be able to pour through it page by page. And it it, it really pains me to hear the back row talk about the process. 
heard a lot of discussion this afternoon about what happened years ago and what's happening now and contrasting and comparing. We've now converted from uh, why haven't you got it done to why are you going so fast? So uh, so it's it's time to uh, to do this. Uh, Mr. Speaker, members of the House, uh, I've certainly never seen two budgets further apart. And frankly, that was the real challenge that we've had over these last uh, weeks and months. This is a common sense and affordable budget. I believe this bill moves our state forward. I believe this bill funds essential services that we have a constitutional duty to do. I have repeatedly heard over the last week, it could have been worse. Is that really where we want North Carolina to be? Just adequate? This budget doesn't strive for the best. Now there is no question that this budget in the way that it addresses roads and repairs and bridges and ports, uh, this budget is one of the greatest 19th century budgets that we could have. A $750 one-time bonus compared to the $1,800 tax cut that the top 1% of folks will get in North Carolina. This bargain is a false bargain made between the House and Senate Republicans and it's an empty bargain that moves the state further backwards. I appreciate the hard fights that you that you had in your in your negotiations to do the best you could, but this budget is not what we should be doing for the people of North Carolina. I want you to go home to those teacher assistants and tell them that you didn't fully fund them and give them a $750 bonus. Because that's what your no vote's gonna do. Today a new press release will be written and you'll figure out a way to spend this and we've heard a lot of that the first hour and a half of debate. That's what we all as politicians do, spend things. So I'll just save the paper. We also are agreeing tonight to put by policy and earmarks in the budget. Many of you are probably like me and are asked when you're back home, do you ever want to run for higher office? Do you ever want to go to D.C.? My response is you don't need to. We're turning Raleigh into D.C. with every budget we do. Um, I understand it's easier when you're planning on voting no all week to get your remarks together, and I'd like to commend you for that. I like jokes. I heard some good ones about the budget this week. I even heard one that said uh, it's a $750 one-time bonus because they're not expecting you to stick around next year. It is responsible, Mr. Speaker. It is fair. It not only meets the needs of our people, but this budget moves our state forward, and I humbly ask for your vote. And we're here with Colin Campbell. I hope you enjoyed that audio compilation and hope hopefully it caught you up to speed on everything that's happened this week in the budget debate. We're here with Colin, who's been here all week. Uh, he's from the News and Observer, covers state government uh, down here. Um, interesting debate tonight went on for how long to go on, Colin? So you started a little after 5. They took the vote just before 10 p.m., so that's nearly five hours. Uh that's a long time. Yeah, it was a very long time. It was one of those things where you, you see a lot of the legislators, uh, they, they get bored, they start to wander around, chat with each other. You find a bunch of them in the hallway when you get up to take a bathroom break. Um, and there were several attempts actually to cut off the debate. Uh, I think it was Representative Jeff Collins who several times turned to the rules chairman, David Lewis, and asked him to uh, call the question, which allows them to shut off debate. He declined to do so, wanted to let the Democrats have their say and, and let everyone give us seemingly as long a speech as they wanted to. Yeah, we were up uh, right outside the chamber uh, right before the vote happened. And, and w when that queue got down to one person left to speak, you saw a bunch of... Uh, uh, legislators rush into the chamber so that so they didn't miss the vote. So what was the vote? Vote was eighty to thirty-five. If I'm 
Uh, remembering correctly, it's uh, been a long day, but uh, we had about nine Democrats joining Republicans. Every single Republican in the chamber did vote yes on the budget. Many of them, I think about 10 or 12, had voted no on the original House budget with some concerns about uh, some of the solar tax credits and some other things in the budget they originally didn't like. But this time, uh, Tim Moore kept the entire Republican caucus together uh, to vote for this budget. So I know the Republican, the House Republicans have already sent out a press release. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I have a feeling it probably says something about a strong bipartisan vote uh, on the budget. Uh, Was it a strong bipartisan vote, do you think? I mean, I think I was surprised that they had the total of nine uh, Democrats. Uh, one of the things I heard from some of the senators, and I think there were about three senators yesterday on the Democratic side that had voted for the budget. They were uh, senators from rural areas who were very pleased with the uh, latest version of the whole sales tax distribution idea that uh, a lot of their counties were going to get, in some cases, millions of dollars through this new uh, sales tax on repair and maintenance services. Um, and they felt like that was something they wanted to support, and that outweighed to what they perceived as the bad elements of the budget. I think that may have been the case for some of the uh, rural legislators who did vote yes tonight, but there were some others. There was, uh, I think, Gail Adcock from Wake County, uh, the Cary area. Uh, Rodney Moore from down in the Charlotte area were among some of the more urban ones who voted for that. Um, so they're not likely to be voting for it for that reason. Uh, hadn't talked to them what their uh, rationale was, what they liked about the budget, but it'll be interesting to see. Um so what was the what would you say? We'll take you through uh, Republicans and Democrats. What was the main argument during debate uh, of the Republicans in favor of the budget? Why, why do they think this budget was was good for the state? Republicans really focused on uh, the investment in edu- education for the increase in, in education spending, the fact that they were able to keep the teacher assistance that the Senate wanted to uh, cut out in favor of having uh, more teachers, the fact that they kept driver's ed in there, uh, that they've got the uh, $750 uh, bonus for teachers and for uh, other state employees. So that was sort of the, the big highlights on that side. They also spoke a lot about the uh, tax changes that are in the budget, the uh, personal income tax cuts that they say are going to be a, a net savings for every North Carolina citizen. Um, of course, the Democrats said that that was offset by the uh, additional sales taxes, that the, the poorest among us will be paying more because they won't get as much off of that income tax cut, and they'll be paying to uh, sales tax on fixing their cars, their appliances, that sort of thing. And some of the Republicans also cited the rest, the, uh, the bringing back of the historic preservation tax credit. They talked about you know additional money, money for film uh, grants. They talked about the reinstatement of the medical tax uh, exemption, uh, which uh, really, really, uh, they heard a lot about uh, during the interim when senior citizens around the state started getting their their tax bills and and having hundreds or thousands of dollars more to pay. Uh, so those were some other Republican things. What about Democrats? What what was their main what were their main arguments against the budget tonight? The Democrats were uh, in large part focused on uh, the whole pay issue. Uh, they felt like this was shortchanging uh, teachers. You know, one of the most memorable moments to me in the debate was that uh, Representative Tricia Cotham from Mecklenburg County's comment that she felt like the $750 bonus uh, was really just a tip. It's kind of like the way you'd give a tip to a restaurant waitress um, and really was not um, respectful to teachers uh, and to state employees. And that was sort of something that was echoed by a lot of the Democrats uh, tonight who felt like this is budget is, if anything, is adequate, uh, that it, it does not do enough, especially in a year where we did see a budget surplus, where the economy is getting better and the state does have more money to spend. But the end product of this budget is a much smaller overall spending number than what 
the House had originally envisioned, even with the Republican leadership. The Senate wanted less spending. The Senate got less spending. What what other arguments? I know we heard I heard the word COLA or cost of living adjustment um, a bunch of times during the debate. A lot of the Democrats uh, uh, mentioning the fact that the budget did not include a cost of living uh, allowance increase for uh, uh, state retirees. Any anything else you can think of that the, Repo- that the Democrats really uh, kind of latched onto in the debate? There were some other things. Uh, I think uh, one uh, Democrat mentioned the loss of the solar uh, tax credits as being a huge. Uh, issue for jobs, particularly in areas where they do have a lot of uh, solar farms and solar projects. Uh, and he mentioned that that was uh, uh, cut in there, but that there was also some money related to fracking, the hydraulic fracturing for, for natural gas and whatnot that was in there. So he, he was concerned about, you know, if we're trying to get rid of handouts to certain industries, we're, we're not really accomplishing that in this budget. Real quick, uh, so we have another uh, vote uh, slated for just after midnight. Again, we're just uh, about 10.30 p.m. on Thursday night. Just after midnight, the House is supposed to vote again, and I'm sure that vote will be very similar, if not exactly the same as the the first vote. Then, then what's going to happen? So that that'll be done, and the and the governor's already said, as you'll hear in our next segment, that he's going to pat that he's going to sign the budget. So what's what's left in this session, Colin? Uh, so next week uh, will be a bunch of bills moving. I think the Medicaid uh, overhaul bill just started to roll out today. Uh, so we'll hear a lot about that next week. Uh, there'll be debates on that and a vote on that. Uh, economic development bill should be out in the next week or so. That's the uh, JDIG uh, incentives funding that Governor McCrory's administration has been seeking for uh, almost uh, well over a year now uh, in trying to get more money into that fund so he can get some of these big manufacturers, these big job providers uh, into the state and compete with other states. That's now going to be in essentially a standalone bill because the uh, sales tax distribution piece that it was originally part of that uh, has been taken out. The newer version of that's in the budget. So this is just going to be about uh, incentives when that bill comes out next week. Also, the bond package should come out soon. Uh, I think they've agreed to a $2 billion uh, total number, but they're still debating what projects are going to be funded by a bond vote sometime next year, either with the primaries or the fall election. Um, And I think there was one more. um, What else was in the works there? Medicaid, bonds, economic development. Well, and I guess the big question mark is, will the Tabor bill come back? That was the uh, cap of government spending um, through a referendum process. The Senate voted that out and, and was in favor of it. Uh, House people were sort of concerned. I have no idea whether that'll surface before the end of the session. But we've heard from, I guess, both the House and the Senate now that um, within the next two weeks, by beginning of October, they should be done and out of Raleigh, which will be welcome news to those of us who've been covering this session for months and and welcome news to those who would rather the legislature not be here in session. We'll also get uh, some regulatory reform bill or two, a a budget or a technical corrections bill of some sort, and then what what we've all been waiting for, the adjournment resolution. We'll be back with an interview with Governor McCrory in just a second. Have you checked out the newly designed News and Observer this week? You'll see changes that make all of our products more visually appealing while giving you in-depth coverage and new ways of storytelling. Visit new.newsobserver.com to learn more about the new ways for your news day. 
As a listener to the Domecast, we have a special offer for you. You can receive the News and Observer Digital Edition for only 99 cents for four weeks. This includes unlimited access to NewsObserver.com, mobile, iPad apps, and the print replica e-edition. Just head over to NewsObserver.com, click subscribe at the top of the page, and enter the promo code DOMECAST to receive this special offer. We are back on the Domecast. Uh, I think it's our 21st edition of the Domecast. This has been going a while now. Um, we're here, or we actually, we're going to have a recorded interview with Governor Pat McCrory from Thursday morning where he um, had some media folks out at the governor's mansion to basically say that he planned to pass, uh, or I'm sorry, to uh, sign the budget uh, when it passes the House, um, which it is about to as I speak. Right now. So here's our interview. Uh, I think it's about 10 minutes with uh, Governor Pat McCrory uh, from this morning. Governor, you ready? Yeah. Thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, understand from Twitter this morning, because the news travels fast, <laughs> that you plan to sign the budget uh, when it's passed by the House. Uh, when do you plan to do that and um, why? Well, for the third straight year, um, the legislature has approved about 90% of this administration's uh, common sense solutions that we've needed to fix a broken government, to improve public safety, to improve education, to continue the job creation efforts that we've had for the last two years, and to, uh, you know, just help uh, effectiveness and efficiency of, of state government. and. Uh, We've had a fight for a lot of these things, but overall we have proposals in each one of those areas, including health care, that I think are, is tremendous progress and it would be irresponsible of me to even consider shutting down government or closing schools um, because of 10% of disagreement between the legislative branch and the executive branch. Uh, you know, I think people are looking for problem solvers, they're looking for compromise, they're looking for uh, solutions. And um, although I didn't get 100% of what I wanted, and I disagree with some of the legislation, there's a long list of legislation regarding teachers' assistance and education, regarding prison guard pay for public safety, uh, regarding new transportation money for maintenance and operations, um, regarding um, health care reform, which we hope to have in the next 48 hours or so, regarding hopefully bonds that we hope to get on the ballot to give people a chance to vote. I mean. To have these types of accomplishments in just a short uh, two and a half years, I think is a tribute to my team that I have around me and also to the legislators who have been working with me. So what's the 10% that, that's not in there that you wish that you wish? I was? knew you would focus on that. Of course, of course. <laughs> and what will you push for next year? Maybe maybe there's some of that 10% sure, that you won't sure. pass next year. Uh, I, I think uh, the 10% is, I, I although I'm very pleased with the coalition that we put together to defeat a um, proposal which I think would have been a tax increase on local and city and town and county governments throughout North Carolina, I would have vetoed the original tax redistribution bill and we clearly stated that to the legislative leadership. They came back with an innovative approach to solve that problem. I still disagree with that approach but it's a vast improvement over what we had and this is one area that I'm compromising on, but I still state my disagreement about having this uh, new tax on uh, uh, auto repair and other types of services. But, and I also think we could have had a better strategy on 
how to redistribute that money to especially areas of the state that are losing population. And I think it could have been more strategic and targeted, but it's much better than the proposal that uh, we initially uh, saw about two or three months ago. And I've got to compliment those who tried to work with us and finding a viable solution. Would you push for across the board raises next year uh, for teachers and state employees and or uh, well, actually, I'm an advocate of I'm an advocate of the money that we. First of all, they they have this. I don't think a, they have the $750 raises, but I also have a large amount of money in our budget uh, to give raises uh, based on market needs, uh, and that'll primarily be used in those areas where I have to give more money to employees to sustain them. And and by the way, one of the things that we have in the budget uh, also is performance management. For the first time, we're going to have a performance management system in state government. And I'd like to give raises in the future based upon results, not just across the board. And that follows the philosophy that I ran on as governor. And I'm, that, that's major reform in state government. And I'm very pleased with that. You've been criticized this session as what? I'm sure. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> By House and Senate Republicans in, in public comments this year. You've heard yeah. them, I think. One called you tone deaf. Another said there's yeah. a lack of relationships between uh, you and, the, and some legislators. And another said you don't play much of a role in anything. I know you've seen these because they've been yeah. widely yeah. distributed. Well, you, What's your response to those? Well, you picked out four legislators, maybe, or four quotes out of 200 over a nine-month period. I think we've done pretty good. In fact, we had uh, legislators here just yesterday still working on the bond issue and working on Medicaid reform and during this nine-month process we've had a lot of meetings on this porch and uh, inside the executive branch and inside the governor's office so we've been very actively involved uh, we haven't brought the cameras in but we've been very actively involved so I was kind of amazed at the amount of media attention on four quotes and I don't think there was uh, enough media scrutiny on putting those uh, four quotes out of uh, how many legislators I'm working with in, in proper perspective with all due respect to the media. What letter grade would you give the legislature this year? They're about to they're about to finish up. I don't I don't I don't do letter grades. I will say this. I think this legislature and this governor have made more dynamic positive change to fix state government and to rebuild our economy than any legislator or governor that you've seen in the past 20 years and uh, but we're beyond uh, high school at this point in time I don't I think the grade is going to be in the results and the results are this we're, we're having job creation people are going to have more money in their pocket after getting their paycheck we've got more teachers assistance which this administration fought for again we're, we kept teacher assistance we've got historical tax credits which myself and Secretary Klutz traveled all over the state for. We've got our uh, Compete NC package in place, which we fought for, and there was a lot of disagreement, and I'm, I'd like to thank the legislatures for coming around on that issue. So um, we all gave and take, and uh, I think people are looking for problem solvers. They're looking for compromise. When there is disagreement, they're looking for consensus. I think the major um, thing that needs to be improved in the process is the legislative process. Um, there's a state law which says the budget should be complete by June and uh, obviously there's a loophole in that state law and by having that loophole continue to be uh, taken advantage of I think we're bringing uh, an 
we need to make decisions long before the school year starts. And uh, that's the one thing I think needs to be tightened up. We're using a process that was used by the Democrats during the past 50 years, and we need to, a process that adapts to the 21st century and demands action within a reasonable amount of time, and which keeps the integrity of part-time politicians. I think it's pretty clear that a lot of your priorities um, are accomplished in yeah. this budget, and then the bond package is supposed to be next week, maybe, yeah. and Medicaid, and et cetera. How do you think this positions you for a re-election bid next year? Uh, my goal is to prepare the state for the next generation. Um, my focus is not yet on the next election. Um, my focus has been on working for the next generation. So um, I'll let the people decide that. But I, I, I still have work to do. I've been spending my time working as governor um, while I have been campaigning some uh, Believe me, my, my major focus, the priority focus, has been uh, doing my job that I was elected to do. I'm just over halfway mark of that job, so uh, this campaign process starts way too early. Uh, is $2 billion enough for, for bonds? I mean, do you wish it was more? Yes, and I would. You, I you wish think it, March is, is an appropriate time for it? Yeah, I, 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 respect the, I respect the argument for March, and that was part of my give and take. First of all, now it would be too late for a November election to give the people time to know what they're voting on. And I also respect the, the argument that have it at a time when more people are voting and when all the precincts are open. So uh, those are part of the give and take that I discussed with legislatures and, and leaders. Over bacon and eggs. Sometimes bacon and eggs, and sometimes I cut, cut off the food a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so two billion, that, you don't think that's enough? I, I think it's uh, a good start, and I think we'll need more in the long run. I think down the road, uh, part of my job as governor is going to have to find more revenue to continue to prepare for growth as opposed to react to growth. We're the ninth largest state now in the United States of America, and we're going to continue to grow. And uh, I've stated throughout the state that I'm a governor who wants to prepare for the next 10 to 20 years, not react to it. Um. The, go the uh, legislature kind of, sort of, kind of put you on the spot. I mean, you, they're going to pass the budget, the House will pass the budget first thing tomorrow morning. Right. You would have not even a day to right. decide what to do with it. Does that... If I strongly objected uh, to something, and, and for example, had the uh, tax redistribution um, original plan been in place, I would have vetoed it. But based upon the disagreement we have, yeah, I have to swallow a little bit on a few things I disagree with. But uh, we're still trying to make even some corrections on some other minor points that we're still finding in the budget in the next 48 hours, and so the, the work hasn't stopped. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk a government shutdown or a the closing of schools over um, at a point in time when the legislature's uh, given this administration about 90 percent of what we asked for. One more thing real quick, Governor, and I appreciate it again. Um, any insight into what you will push for next year in terms of your priorities or things that are kind of on the radar screen uh, as we move into 2016? Yeah, I think, uh, well, there are many areas, but let, let's finish this year. But uh, I still need, uh, we still are going to need to invest in uh, preparing for growth and uh, some continued economic development strategy. But right now, I think also during the next year or two, we need some stability in, the, in, the, uh, in our tax plans. And let's let this work and play out and uh, 
see what the results are and measure it with data. And I think we also ought to stress continuity. It's going to be a very, very important signal to uh, uh, the businesses and the people of North Carolina. So are they moving too fast with tax policy, do you think? I, I would have done some slight changes in some of the tax policy that they recommend, but again, I got we got about 90%. We were very strongly supportive of uh, the uh, single source sales tax, and uh, we were very strongly supportive of the and pushing and demanding that the uh, the medical tax reduction and the historical tax credit. So. Um, those are very positive steps that I'd like to thank the legislators for supporting our efforts on. And, and it was a grassroots effort on many of those things, and I'm very, very pleased with that. Anything else you want to add? No, let's, uh, let's get through the next week and uh, allow these part-time legislators uh, some time to go back home right. and go back to protecting the, uh, the um, original focus, and that is part-time. <laughs> Thank you, Governor. Appreciate it. Intent. Thank you very much. Most of us, or our ancestors, came here from someplace else. No matter how we got here, we all know this is a great place to live. To keep it that way, it's critical we attract top talent for our schools and high-tech businesses, and hard workers for our small and local businesses. Exactly. If we want to attract great people so the Triangle continues to be a great place to live, then we want the Triangle to be a welcoming place where everyone feels comfortable no matter where they're from. Brought to you by UnitingNC.org. And we're back for our third and final segment uh, on the Domecast. I'm Pat Gannon from The Insider. And we this week we're doing something a little bit different. If, if you listened to our podcast before, you probably remember Headliners of the Week, which we do in the third segment every week. This week, in honor of the budget debate that went on in the House, uh, today we decided to uh, ask a bunch of House members after the, the first vote, uh, who they thought the, was the star of the debate. So we asked a bunch of Democrats and a bunch of Republicans. We got some uh, some interesting answers. We got some of the same answers. There were definitely some favorites on either side. So we're going to go right into that and let you listen to who uh, who legislators felt were the best debaters amongst themselves tonight. Who do you think has been the star of the debate, if you could answer that question? I think Representative Lewis has. Representative Lewis knows this budget inside and out. He knows the details. He knows it's a good budget. He knows it's a very good budget for our economy. Uh, so you can hear him now, what he's saying. I mean, he's very articulate. He's very factual. And he's very detailed. I think the star of the debate is all those representatives that have sat here tonight and been patient and listened to everybody else talk. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you. Here with Representative Catlin. And uh, who do you think has been the star of the debate so far? I believe the star will be Representative Lewis. And why is that? Well, he uh, had a lot of emotion in his debate recently. Here with Representative Charles Graham, who do you think is the star of the debate? I think Representative Jackson uh, made a, a good uh, response in, in his opposition to the budget. I thought he did that real well. Representative Darren Jackson. Yes, Darren Jackson. Representative Susie Hamilton, who was the star of the debate? I believe it was Representative Tricia Cotham from Mecklenburg County. Why is that? 
Well, she's so eloquent when she speaks about public education, and she really got to the heart of the matter tonight about how we were falling behind. She used words like um, inadequate and things of that nature to, to describe the the um, poor state of the pay for teachers in this state, as well as um, the the per, pu- per pupil spending in the state. And I think that she did so in a way that was not offensive to the rest of the body and got her point very well across, and I think she did a great job tonight. Representative Rodney Moore, who do you think was the star of the debate? I would have to concur with uh, Representative Hamilton. I think that Tricia Cotham did an excellent job leading off the uh, Democratic uh, point of view uh, on the budget. She was succinct. She was very, uh, very clear and and, and clairvoyant. And she really drove the message home as it relates to what's on the line for the future of education in this state. Representative John Torbett, uh, who was the star of the debate tonight? Uh, personally, for me, I think the star was Representative Charles Jeter from uh, Mecklenburg. Why is that? Well, basically, uh, we have been hearing all night how, how good the budget was from our opposition, but they couldn't vote for it. And so Representative Jeter uh, pretty much made sure they were understanding what they were voting against, and such as body cameras on police officers and, and tax cuts for every North Carolinian. And just, just wanted to make sure, and I thought that was re- re- real informative. So I had to give him the, uh, the all-star award tonight. Representative Greg Meyer, who was the star of the debate. I I really appreciated what Representative Darren Jackson had to say. I thought he brought a real strong analysis to the bill and a lot of emotion and uh, really appreciate that kind of human expression, you know, just really telling us what he personally feels about how it's going to impact the people of North Carolina. So that's Representative Darren Jackson, his second vote of the night. It's Representative Chuck McGrady. Who do you think was the star of the debate tonight? Uh, On the star on the Democratic side, probably Darren Jackson did a real good job of hitting uh, the points I would have made if I had been voting against the budget. Pretty coherent. On the Republican side, uh, probably Nelson Dollar is is summing up what the whole thing was about. He did, again, a good wrap-up of the thing. Of course, he chairs the Appropriations Committee, so he knows this stuff pretty good, too. One for Darren Jackson, one for Nelson Dollar. That's right. So, Representative Darren Jackson, who do you think was the star of the debate tonight? Well, I'm going to have to pick my seatmate, Representative Cotham. Um, When she talks about teachers and how, in her opinion, they're unfairly treated, you know she means it because she comes from that field. She was a teacher. She was a principal. She's hired teachers. And because of that, she's genuine. And because she's genuine, I, I really thought she made the best points of the evening. All right, so I have to choose between I'm going to pick a Republican and a Democrat in terms of who was the star of the debate tonight. I'm going to have to go on the Democratic side with Representative Darren Jackson of Wake County with a with a very close second to uh, Representative Cotham from uh, Mecklenburg. Uh, Representative Jackson uh, pointed out uh, during his debate a number of earmarks in the budget. Um, I believe they were all uh, Republican earmarks. Um, I'd have to go through and check for sure, but I thought that was uh, one of the the key moments in the debate tonight, where he where he went through and actually listed page numbers um, of where some of the the earmarks are that that honestly many of us hadn't seen yet. So I'm going to go with Darren Jackson on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, I'll have to say Representative David Lewis. He got a lot of votes uh, when we uh, when we talked to folks uh, in his caucus. And um, he had some very good counterpoints to uh, s- some of the main Democratic debates, including some some rather witty ones. So uh, including one about um, 
about Representative Lubke, and and he should know a lot about taxes because he's raised them all. Um, so we're going to go with Representative Lewis uh, on the Republican side, Representative Darren Jackson on the Democratic side as the star debaters in the House budget debate. And that's it for tonight, for today's uh, episode of the Domecast, and we will see you again next week. You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.